like this woman is hell of participating in the oppression of women and that fucking sucks but it's not abnormal Fidgeting is a legit way to focus. It's true. It's true. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the kindness economy. Greetings and salutations. Where we talk about doing business from the heart outward. And this week, this week we're going to be talking about a lot of heavy subjects. So this is for sure a like adults conversation. And if you are not an adult, please talk to the adult in charge of you before continuing. This week we are going to get super political because life is political and we're totally going to talk about the abortion thing in alabama Mm, among other things among other things including how to take care of yourself while there's an abortion thing happening in alabama Uh, yeah so let's get into it yeah let's just go right there how how was your week (laughs) yeah uh this week i have been practicing hibernation um i've gone quiet in a lot of different venues because I just can't deal with a lot of the shit that's going on in the world right now. It is heavy. It is infuriating. It makes me feel hopeless and helpless. And that is not an uncommon sentiment I have heard from my friends. Um, so with that being said, uh, hibernation for self-care. Yes, please. So the... I've talked before about self-care being turned into this consumption thing where you go out and buy stuff, and this is not about that. Um, A lot of times, self-care focuses on really mundane, plain, not sexy things. And one of them is just isolating yourself when you need to step back to take a break. Um, When the news is too much and it overwhelms you, there's like decision paralysis, when it comes to having too many choices to decide on something you want, like flavors of ice cream. But there's also like information paralysis when you get so much coming in, so much input coming in from the world, from the news and from everything that you feel obliged to stay on top of, that it really does benefit to remove the stimulus, the fire hose of information from your vicinity like just shut it all down i am literally the worst at this yeah i mean it's it's not something that is is i don't know everything's primed for everyone to stay on top of everything at once like that's you have to be up on the thing and the next thing and the next bit of news stop just stop I mean, I was specifically raised to believe that it was my responsibility as a member of a democracy to stay informed about what is happening in my country. And it's like, I agree. You know what I mean? But when when I I was raised uh, with that notion, the news came on, the local news came on at four. mm. And then the national news came on at 6.30 or six. Right. So you got all the local stuff, the weather, the sports, you got the national, and then you had the national first thing in the morning with the little blurbs of local, but you didn't have the 24-hour news cycle. Mm -hmm. So there's that, I'm not going to call it an outdated notion of staying in tune with everything, but 
when I will say for certain, when I was raised to stay on top of current events and be aware of the happenings in the world, that was definitely done outside of the 24 hour news cycle. Right. Um, so taking a news fast, do it. Um, and that sounds pretty prescriptive coming from me because I'm usually like, do you do whatever works. But for real, the world is not going to stop. The information is not going to stop coming. And the world is going to continue to turn even if you don't know what's going on for a minute. So you can regroup and get your own head on straight. A hundred percent of Buddhist monks would agree. I mean, <laughs> it, it's going to happen. So I've. I've been isolating myself just to take deep breaths, remind myself of what's important to me. Like I suggest you take that time to think about things that are important to you. Um, and also think about ways that you can fortify yourself. Because again, as much as people bitch about it, the 24 hour news cycle isn't going anywhere. So no. you, you're gonna have to figure out ways to cope. And sometimes coping means stepping out of the stream. Oh, it's so challenging to I, think about. I, I know, I know. It's It really is. It goes counter to so many things. You won't be able to talk about all the things. It's also interesting that like, I was like already checked out mm -hmm. because I was dealing with Mother's Day. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. I was still dealing with Mother's Day and then uh, my period started, so I had, like, my body was like, no, you will stop and take care of me now. Okay. Which is important. And while all of that was happening, I was like, I really need to, to get on the getting to the gym more than once a week. Mm. And I achieved that. And, I, you know, I've, I was already checked out. Mm. I was already, like, my personal life and my feelings in my body are just, like, more than I can deal with. And... I was like tertiarily aware because I do actually have the the regular intervals, but I do regulate it as well. It's like I get the news in the morning with my wake up, mm -hmm. you yes. know, smart Sound device. Thing, yeah. Um, and I get my news after I get the kids picked up. I have my dinner by myself with the news if I can. <coughs> that is my preference. I love having that mm. little... 30 minutes, but it's only 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that amount of information and, and, and I, I still check out, I don't necessarily pay attention. I'm still like on my phone and playing with TikTok, And so I'm, I'm like tertiarily aware that, oh, this shit went down because I'm still on Twitter and stuff. <clears throat> it didn't actually occur to me that we are, of course, we're going to talk about this until you texted me this morning. Uh, I was like, there's, there's no choice. It's just like, I was it's like, the water we're in, we have to. And we when you texted me it. this morning, I was like, oh, of course, of course, that's what we're doing. <laughs> like, yes, of course. It's um, like, I don't know what you were planning, but <laughs> the world has. This is why plans. we have a partnership where, like, you know, <laughs> someone else is doing things. Well, like, you're clearly checked out. No, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> you, we got this. Like, this is where we're going with it, because yeah. Like it's, but it ha it is important. The self care is so so important. Oh God, the just the ability to handle so much. Just because I'm realizing with 
Mother's Day and the interactions with family stuff, like my family structure, the blended family, this like Brady Bunch version of the blended family that we have mm-hmm. just like erases the entire backstory of those parents. We never talk about the other parents of these children. We never see them. They never remarry. There's not other kids over there somewhere. They don't come to visit. They don't come to visit. There's not like weekend visitation. None of that happens. They also get a nanny, which is dope. I don't know where they... I don't, anyway. Um, but, but, but Mother's Day was super special in that like... My sister and I... Like my sister's able to be super chill with my family because this is the family that we grew up with mm-hmm. with a lot of people we're like if i have to describe like we totally joked about like the when we have to describe our family to people like i need to get some pen and paper you need to be able to visualize it because <laughs> it's just l- lots happening and it and it was kind of nice part of it was really nice to just be like yeah there's just a lot of people here this is dope yeah so um yeah yeah the the other thing and yeah the the, the other thing that I wanted to say about this in the segment was also the like, check the fuck out and please take care of yourself. Yeah. This is really, really hard and intense. Like doing, I'm going to throw in the story about, yeah, like in, oh, in eighth grade, we had this awful, awful math teacher <laughs> and she was a control freak. She, like we had a behavioral protocol that we had to do when we went in and like always acknowledge. Did you call it protocol in the eighth grade? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, she was. <laughs> that is something else. She was. Carry on. I'm sorry. I just needed to clarify. I mean, she was German. She was like very. Ooh. Yeah. German math teacher for a room full of eighth graders. That's incredible. Yeah. That's an experience. In the eighties. Oh. <laughs> now that we've set the scene. I mean, she was hardcore and I'm not going to say that we were the best kids. <laughs> and I'm not going to say that we were big on compliance. Um, I mean, when it's so much resistance, eventually it just becomes a game. Well. <laughs> please tell me how that went. There was one kid who made it his mission to make her life miserable. And... She would crack down on the entire class. And we're kind of like, that's lousy. Um, so we started to support this kid. This <laughs> like mutiny. It, it kind of was. And the thing that I remember is um, she was doing something. I can't remember what. And he just started to hum. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And she turned around and looked dead at him, walked up to his desk and was like, is that you? And the second she asked it, somebody in the back of the room started going, "Mm." and he was able to start speaking. No, that's not me at all. (laughs) At which point she looks up at the class and we all kind of look at each other like, okay, it is on. (laughs) That. Is and so she math starts, class mutiny. She starts going around like, is that you? Is that you? Trying to figure out who's doing it. Every time she's able to pinpoint the sound, somebody else on the other side of the room picks up the sound. 
So we're passing it around amongst ourselves. It was beautiful. I share that story to say, you don't have to be the one in it all the time. You don't have to be the one humming the entire time. Somebody else is going to pick up the slack when you take a break. You are welcome to take a break. Please take a break. We can identify fascism as a group. Uh, I mean, yeah, like we can do this. Yes. We can do this. Oh, but that's take a beautiful the story. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the breaks are worth something. Take them. <laughs> Excellent. I feel like this is good. We're good segment one. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> Ponies. Um, the uh, the next, the numbers, the numbers are really great, but they're also a lot of more of the same. It is basically on track with this month is basically doing twice uh, the performance of last month. We had last month was 196 for total listener downloads and listens. And this month is at 220 already for two weeks and that's dope so um you know up into the up into the right is awesome um but don't you know don't let's not get too excited before like you know it's boring as shit because it's kind of not interesting what i need to be doing is getting into itunes and actually looking at that shit because that's where the information is now this information is not important anymore so i need to start shifting my you know this is the numbers are going to do what they're going to do from here what do you get out of itunes though the itunes shows me when people stop listening how long they're listening what they're listening to more of Uh, oh okay so you get more data out of that i get more detailed data i I could i don't want to switch hosts again it's possible that other hosts will give me better data but according to the internet itunes is the best demographic and just the, the richness of the data they have which i just haven't seen it yet before I didn't have enough listens within iTunes to have it be relevant. And at this, with these kind of numbers, we're getting like, like through parts, parts of last week, we're getting consistently 10 downloads a day. And that's like a lot. Mm, that is. That was like a whole week for us a few months ago. And that's awesome. So some of that has to be hitting iTunes. My hope is that now there's enough listens that I can start to really get into that because that's the that's the that's what I've been wanting to do this whole time. Mm, okay. So we're now at the point where oh we can actually get into iTunes. So the numbers are quick and dirty because it's just like you know yeah. basically what it's been. That's yeah yeah doing the thing doing the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like for me <laughs> for me it's been practice with the hibernation. I have been practicing the uh, the speech I'm giving next week. Uh, and I keep hearing Dixie's voice in my head asking questions like, you know, what was she wearing? What mm-hmm. was the room like? Tell me about her hair. Like, oh, okay. Because I'm telling, a st- like, I'm not giving a speech. I'm telling a story um, and layering in various things. So, yeah, I'm, I practice it and then I double back, figure out where all the questions are that Dixie would ask. Paul's. Paul's. Where's Dixie? Yeah. 
back to back to Dixie. Yeah. So like I got I've been reading through my speech and practicing and checking for time and everything, managing my own pacing, but also doubling back and looking at every point where I can hear her asking me a question about like the details of it. What were the sounds? What were the smells? What did somebody look like? What did the room look like? And it actually turns out a lot of that is relevant. So it was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Also, just Dixie's work in general around teaching storytelling and that that's part of the game is Mm -hmm. that I've been coached by her for a couple of different projects. And it's kind of incredible the things that you just you want to be like, and then you went there and then you went there and then we did this and then this happened. It's just like, no, you have to describe what is happening. Yeah. You have to. You're painting. You have to tell us what people look like. Mm-hmm. You have to tell us what's happening. Yeah. Tell us what, not just what's happening, like the subject and what the subject is doing, but in the room, mm-hmm. set the scene, tell us where we are. Tell us what the other people, other than the obvious subject, are doing. You're building things in your head, or I in someone like, else's head. In the in the storytelling, my first <clears throat> coaching with her, she was like, "Well, like I went and got drinks with somebody. Well, what I want the audience wants to know what that drink was." Mm, and that's true. As soon as you don't just say, "Oh, we went and got drinks," it's like, "Well, no, we ordered. I ordered a vodka cream. We came back with it. We talked about our." We compared our drinks, this and that and the other. Like there's a a way that you give more information Mm -hmm. when you're storytelling. It's not like a fucking report that goes to a fucking bureaucrat. Yeah, which is why I'm opting for the telling a story instead of giving a lecture. Or it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I think I can illustrate this best with a story. Um, But practicing over and over again gives you a super, super dry mouth. Oh, God, right. Super, super dry mouth, because I've been going over and over and over, and uh, yeah, I've just been blowing through all kinds of tea. There's also no substitute for saying it out loud, getting your mouth around Around the the content, getting your mouth around and through that content over and over and over again, and then you can, like, with... like You feel it. You feel it, exactly. It's easy and automatic to add that emotional inflection necessary to truly paint those pictures yeah I when mean, you know the, your material the story like repeating it over and over again it's my story but repeating it over and over again it kind of oh yeah and then there was that and then oh yeah and i i have the other details and i keep adding them in but also saying the words out loud does feel like i'm wearing a groove in my body where that story goes it creates a cadence yeah and it's like i'm developing like pauses and Places where I speed up or slow down. Um, yes. Yeah. So that that has been a lot of what has been going on as far That's as fun. practicing that. I didn't, and then this afternoon, this afternoon, uh, this afternoon being Thursday afternoon, uh, I have my uh, appearance with Marsha. Oh, fun. Thing. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. That's more of a conversation. So it's been less rehearsal and more like, okay, what do I think about these things? Right. Because mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a, a banter sort of thing. But yeah. Um, but so- that's that's pretty much been my work week. The other thing that I've been hearing, I've I've been going back to 
older content that I've enjoyed. Like, so I went back to listening to Gary Vee a mm. little bit mm -hmm. and I got through one of his things that he talks about is the importance of audio in the future mm. and that your smart speaker device or whatever is able to the truth is, is that humans want more convenience. They want it to be easy. Of course. The easier it is, the more convenient it is, dope. And it's easier to talk to our device than it is to type in some bullshit. That is correct. And I mean, that's the reason why we started talking. Because it's easiest to communicate that way than to gesture with our bodies. Right? So, now, as we go into uh, listening devices, brand that he talks about how important brand is and even in like the the nomenclature right now we're talking all about like well what's your brand it's more or less just you know i liked one person's description of your brand is explaining your faults like justifying your faults wow like when you're like when you <laughs> say something it's like a nice way of saying that's fucked up it's like oh well that's on brand for me what well, kind of stuff like i'm i can be very controlling with my art and like that's gonna be super on brand for me uh, I get really weird about the lighting, mm. right? I don't want to do anything unless the lighting the is lighting really good. The lighting is right. I get weird about that. It's That's very on brand for me. Also, you know, low-key neurotic. Well, I mean, aren't we but all? But it's on brand. It's on brand <laughs> neurosis. So uh, that was a funny way of thinking about it. But what what's going to happen is in the future, you're going to ask your device, get me, and the example he gives is a sandwich, Right. And they're going to decide whatever has the most clicks in your area to bring you a sandwich. But if you can say, I want brand name sandwich, if you can say that. Now, the best example that I can think of of the way that this is going to fuck shit up is if you say car, it's going to, you know, probably take you to a Honda or Toyota dealer near you. Mm -hmm. This is going to fuck up Hyundai. Because Hyundai sounds too much like Honda and Honda is by far and away a more popular car dealer or okay. car brand. So Hyundai is going to lose when the audio takes over. We've been so focused visually since television was invented. We've been focused super visually on the logo and identifying the logo of the brands that we know and love. Now the ability for our smart devices to differentiate the name of these brands is what's going to determine their success in the future. So thinking about your name in terms of, or your brand, logo, whatever you're, you know, whatever you're titling your shit, thinking about how that sounds and whether or not it's easy for another thing to sound like that. Ooh. Hmm like the Hyundai Honda example that I'm giving. That's where I'm seeing like Hyundai's fucked. But it's also like it's information. You can know what's happening. There's also plenty of um, brands that have actually changed their name and it's fine. For example, Clear Channel has changed to iHeartRadio. Radio. You know, and it's not even a, what's interesting is it's not really a radio company. It's an advertising company. But Clear Channel got too much baggage 
and they had to change their name. So it's not like Hyundai is totally fucked. You know, Hyundai could change their name to something that makes sense. But they have to understand what's coming in order to react to it. Exactly. And they're just in that like kind of middle space where they're pretty confident they know what the fuck they're doing, that they're not going to actually listen to the young upstart <clears throat> intern be like, yo, guys, your name is fucked. I was listening to this uh, podcast called The Kindness Economy, and I feel like those people know what they're talking about. Y'all should listen to me. That is that is a conversation that is never going to happen. <laughs> so, no. like, uh, it's just kind of interesting to me to, like, I see it now. Like, this thing that he talks about, like, occasionally he says it in a way I'm like, oh, I get it. So I also, like, you know, while I was checked out, I checked back into some older stuff that I enjoyed. Hmm. So the rotation of data continues. Yeah. How do you feel? Are we good? Yeah. All right, let's keep it tight. Have a uh, break time. And this is the with feeling part of the podcast. So. <sighs> Uh, we have Rantafesto time, mm. and this is where we do a uh, sensitivity disclaimer. Is that right? Is that content warning? We're going to be talking about abortion and politics. Yeah. If these are sensitive topics for you, maybe just skip this part, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, you always have the option to not listen. Yeah. <laughs> so, please take care of yourself, and let's get into it. Um, oh. Alabama has, what is it, like, illegal to have an abortion unless your life is in danger or we don't know yet we okay flames sorry oh, <laughs> side of my we're face. starting we're starting with flames okay flames oh. shooting out of oh so <sighs> the thing that i wanted to talk about with regard to this thing while courtney calms down well, I mean, you could just like emote over there. That's all right, fair. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> Courtney's going to emote into the mic and I will talk about the thoughts that I have. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so one of the things that came up for me right away is that getting signed into law being is required. This, this is requiring the signature of a woman. Dana. The governor. Ivy. Sorry. <laughs> the governor. Uh, is a woman and chose to sign versus not sign that law. And like, there's a way that that is framed as, um, I mean, it is terrible behavior, but all of it is terrible behavior. But the, the terrible behavior happens with complicity from allies to the terrible behavior quote unquote right right we're using allies in a similar but different way but it's a it, it's a similar function mm, mm -hmm. there are people who are like this woman is hell of participating in the oppression of women and that fucking sucks but it's not abnormal no this is actually pretty normal it's mm. shockingly normal and that's the part where we're getting like super intense about like, yeah, this has become shockingly normal. It's been shockingly normal. 
It's, yes. Like it's that is. This the, is the new normal. It, no, it's it's more the same, more the same. Yeah. We well, I guess it's mostly like we had different expectations. I, I again, I keep coming back to the '90s, and I feel like during the '90s we believed that we had it fixed, and we were like, "Oh, we're cool. This is we're good." In a lot of ways, that's sort of what it felt like, at least for me as a white person living in my post-racial utopia that was the Bay Area. Yeah. It felt like I was just like, oh, this is dope. And I felt a little justified about my ignorance when like, I, I heard Jamie Foxx on, um, if you're not watching The Shop on HBO, it's so good. Um, but Jamie Foxx was like, yeah, I was just like rich and living in California. And then like all of a sudden these, I were seeing these black folks getting killed and we're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, so, like I spent, I spent the nineties in Iowa. So my experience was a little different. I would, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine that's true. But by Ca like California in the nineties, we were like, nah, it's fine. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, uh, we were wrong. So there's just like this the the shock is really the shocking part like that like not the shocking part but it's just like no we have a, a, the response is different this is new like the, the seeing what's happening with our 24-hour news cycle mm -hmm. is that is the part that's new that we've had to fill 24 hours of news and now we get to see what's happening in alabama we get to know more details about that. And we also get to know more details about like, I guess allies, the wrong word, the right word is token. It's tokenism because that woman, what we do. So a woman signed it. So it's okay. To exactly. So tokenism is the like, Oh, but my black friend said, da, 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 da. No, no. no, that does not fly. No. I, or no. like, no. Or in this case, like, what you do, and, and I, I can talk to this because as a masculine presenting white person, I get a lot of token privilege. Mm. And what you do when you get that insiderness where like the dudes, the white dudes start treating you like you're one of, one them, of them, you start being extra one of them to make them feel safe. Mm. So like, yeah, like the example like uh, recently in the news was james charles who's a makeup artist on youtube he's kind of always been a piece of shit in the way that his rhetoric has been specifically he's pretty racist and he's pretty transphobic but you don't have to go far into the gay white men's community to see that they're pretty transphobic and racist as fuck <laughs> like there was nothing said that james charles said that i haven't heard in gay bars by virtue of that that again that token access by ma being masculine presenting allows me more access to the shitty things that white people say because i feel safe and i will not only will i will i feel safe because of the way that i present as a safe person that i say in quotes you because feel of, safe to them you feel safe i feel safe to them yes okay. but also um that i will echo and amplify those ideas like i was a hundred percent a piece of shit in my 20s i was really working hard like i i even at the time i was saying i'm 
I spent all of my 20s unlearning how to be an asshole. And there's a whole segment of things that I missed. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like I also spent uh, my all of my 30s on learning how to be an asshole. But it was like the like really subtle class where like because of privilege and because of tokenism, I've started amplifying these ideas to help the people of already having privilege feel safe around me. And that's exactly what the governor of of Alabama is doing is and 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 you know Pelosi and Feinstein do it too I I I I, I that's the part of the game Kamala Harris does it too yes it, it it's the I mean even Elizabeth Warren is doing it that's the part of the, the we've been that taught is the how game. to win that is this the is the game and you play to win that is the game and with mm. abortion they're playing to win with other people's bodies. Mm -hmm. And the regulation of other people's bodies is everything that supremacy is. It's everything. That's how they get, that's where all the power is, is the ability to regulate people's bodies. Like, what the fuck? When does that stop? Because that's not like, that's, that's how we, you know, but that's how we're doing things still. And that's still how we do business. Mm. And it's like a whole thing. You have actual things to say? I would love to hear from you. I'm going to go on the... Center myself. 53% of white women voted for Trump. I'm going to start there. Yes. <laughs> I'm like... Bleh. It actually starts a lot earlier than that, but for now, we're going to start the fuck there. Um, being a woman, identifying as a person of color, identifying as some variant of queer, does not automatically make you an ally. And in certain situations, you wind up being complicit with systems of oppression. Uh, I'm going to throw another story out. Yeah. We... Uh, Natasha Tynes um, was on Twitter last week. No, not even last week. It was like five days ago. Man, the world moves fast. Um, yeah. But, and this is something that I noticed, like one of the few things that I noticed on my radar this week. But she was on Twitter, encountered a woman on the DC Metro, the train system, who was in uniform for the Metro eating. She took umbrage with this woman eating on the train, said something to her. The woman responded with like, like don't worry about yourself. Umbridge is anger, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just like, oh, why are you? How dare you? How dare you? Um, but she took a picture of this woman eating, posted it, tagged her employer and a gripe account so that the signal was amplified about, oh my God, I can't stand people who are di you know, disrespecting the Metro, et cetera, et cetera. And kind of put this woman on blast for eating her breakfast on the train. Turns out this woman was a bus driver who had a 20 minute break to eat, parentheses, 
which is an obscenely short amount of time in order to tend to one's bodily needs, close parentheses, in which she also had to get to a second point for her to start another line, close parentheses, or open parentheses, why they are making her travel on her mealtime where she's supposed to tend to her body is also a fucking shitty way of doing business, close parentheses. <sighs> okay, centering myself. Um, also, that should and, be paid time. Uh, exactly. But, and, and on top of that, the Metro had also repealed their prohibition against uh, eating on the subway because of shit like this. None of that, none of that this woman was privy to. So she puts this picture up and like draws all this attention, actually gets the attention of the Metro. And they're like, oh, we'll look into it. Well, a lot of people were not having that. So they went after her, like, why are you doing this? What, what is up with that? There's no apology, no anything. This woman is a uh, Jordanian American and her premier novel, which was due to be released uh, next month, uh, goes into the difficulty of being a person of color. She vehemently identifies as a person of color. Um, in American society. And that just seems really rich. That whole positioning of, I am a person of color who is going to ape this sort of uh, policing of someone's behavior and managing their behavior in a way that's like <sighs> infuriating. But, but also it like the out, super casual way that we'll try to get someone fired. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out that um, her distributor, um, Rare Bird, I think is the distributor, they made a statement later on that day, like basically black women have to deal with enough policing of their bodies and their movements through public space you as someone who's identifying actively as a person of color should be aware of that and understand that what you're doing is complicit in their oppression and we will not stand for it. And they cut her distribution. They then got in touch with her publisher and her publisher has halted publication of her book because they're like, no, that's, that is not. I like you're, you're trying to sell this book as like a person of color who's experiencing these things yeah. while being an active tool of oppression. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, no. And it's that dissonance and it, that complicity with those structures. It's like, uh, is it extreme? Yeah. But she really should have left that woman alone. She really should have. But no, it's that if I am, if I get to be, if I am or if I get to be, if I can be shitty, to someone else in order to assert my uh, proximity to whiteness mm -hmm. or proximity to power as it exists in this culture. Well, I think that, um, then, yeah. then yeah, I'm gonna jump on that. Oh yeah, if there's any <laughs> amount of, yeah. The like, I see how this works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I've, I've described it with, uh, with other minorities who have come to the U.S. and are virulently racist. And I just kind of 
shrug like, wow, all right, they've been looked down on enough that they're just happy they get to look down on someone else now. Oh, yeah, that's like, an oh. <laughs> that's an economy of sorts. Yeah, it's, like, it's oh, totally okay. an economy. There's absolutely an economy of hate and, and upward mobility within the economy of hate is it feels amazing. It's like, oh, this is and but it's shitty. It's it is absolutely really shitty. shitty. And like looking at Kay Ivey's rusty ass, just uh, mm, governor of Alabama. Oh, oh. yeah. I'm, I did not check out names specifically. I was just like, yeah, oh, no, hey. I'm gonna call her name out because it's gonna be in history books and people are gonna be pissed later. Oh, yeah. They're like, really? Y'all let that slide? All right. I mean, this whole like, situation, there's gonna be so many names. And I'm like, and like, I'm the kind of person that I've already read enough books that I've seen a bunch of these names already. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, okay, when, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, Great. when it comes back around and you go, oh. So but, I do uh, want to specifically talk about abortion mm -hmm. and what it actually means to me um, as someone who has had an abortion. And I have no regrets about that. And I am... I don't think it's necessary that folks should have to explain their choices, but I feel really great about my choices and I feel really great about the outcomes for me and the potential for that child and the potential for the children that I have mm -hmm. when I was actually prepared and ready to have kids. Like, the difference between what I can provide for my child, my children right now versus what I could provide to my child, potential child when I was 22 is absurd. I, like just on the face of it, if a 22 year old decides, nah, like that's an important decision and it should be up to them. Mm. Like, it is so important that I think we normalize just talking about this happening and this being a just choice that people have to make. Um, and that and and that it feels like in one hand, folks want to say, we care about people's lives. And then it feels like they only actually care about it until that life is out of a woman's body. And they're treating women as incubators. Mm -hmm. Like there aren't currently a lot of children being ignored in foster care and without parents. And increasingly so with the opioid epidemic as more and more young people who do not have adequate health care in the form of sex education, comprehensive contraception care, and other things that could be used to prevent pregnancies being dismantled and then also dismantling the final tool to help people stay in control of their lives. Like, we very clearly don't have a consistent story about what we give a fuck about right now. No. No. Absolutely not. It, mm. 
And that's the part that gets this response out of Courtney, folks. I mean, Look at what we're doing to Courtney. The uh, fuck? They, <laughs> you don't give a fuck. Like, every time I see anybody talking about pro-life anything, all I can think is quit fucking lying. Just quit. Seriously. If you want to give a shit about something, I want to, like, <laughs> but it's also an example of the ways that language has been repurposed because they're using all of the language um the all the pro-life language is the same language that um the civil rights movement gave us mm. it's all that right to exist shit and it's just being put in this one direction that like ignores the autonomy of a human that we've chosen to not give a fuck about. Well, yeah, because it's not because we love regulating bodies. Yeah, it's there's not good about business in regulating bodies, maintaining anybody's health or autonomy or ability to function in the world. No, the world is a shit. Oh, the world's a dumpster fire right now. Like if you really, <sighs> and in fairness to the dumpster fire that we are currently soaking in observing um we're only just it, it, the, the the flames of the fire are actually dying down we just can see them like the fact that we can see it is a part of i mean the problem I'm, it, we can't get to it until we look at it and yes it currently looks like a dumpster fire oh yeah um it currently looks like people are super casual about the wanting to regulate people's bodies and make money off of shaming people and shutting people down and not allowing them control over their lives. But not just them, I say generally, specifically women and people of color, especially those folks. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the abortion debate really gets to the we're not here for anybody but ourselves in supremacy and this yeah. is where we get to do it yeah i mean even the double talk around uh i get a lot of uh i see a lot of i don't know what to call it propaganda i don't around uh combating the black genocide as in keeping black women from having abortions so of course you're going to be pro-life and it's like anybody that fixes their mouth around those words i already know is full of shit because the mm -hmm. same people that make those sounds don't have word the first to say about police brutality, about the disproportionate numbers of black people incarcerated and the things that happen to them once they're in the penal system. Like that's or not even, even the, on the fucking radar. You want to talk to me about life? Talk to me about that. Then maybe I'll listen to you about a couple of other things. Otherwise, fuck right. off. Or just <laughs> at least a willingness to listen when people are saying that their experiences are different than yours like the willing the unwillingness to listen to me is so hard um yeah i'm also like like i'm reading white fragility and realizing how much i did grow up in this like post uh, pause so i have checked out white fragility from the library and am going through it and and i grew up like they have the checklist of the different stuff that you may or may not have been exposed to growing up. And I did really grow up in just post-racial utopia place where 
it was obviously very isolated, but I had a, an immense amount of racial integration in my early and ongoing childhood. So that was awesome. And, and it, it made understanding racial issues a lot easier for me. Um, the, the easiest example that I love is the way that my black dad and my white dad taught me how to fight. Mm. My white dad taught me that you hit them and you do not stop hitting them until they stop trying to get up. Mm. And my black dad taught me, you learn to take a punch. Mm -hmm. You never hit them first. Mm. If you hit them first, you're going, so here's the way it actually goes. You learn to take a punch and then you hit them and you don't stop hitting them until they stop trying to get up. Okay. It was basically the same thing after the, you do not hit first thing. Learn how to take a punch. You learn to take a punch. Oh, I you're think going, my brothers. That was the quote. The quote is learn to take a punch. You're going to jail anyway. D don't be the one going to jail for starting the fight. Mm. That's what my black dad taught me. And my, my parents for sure were not intending to teach me anything about race in that moment. They but were absolutely raising me to be colorblind. Mm. And like, you know, even like, you know, I had mixed race of, of, of siblings, but totally still training me to be colorblind. It was way easier for me to get through these books to help me understand the black experience because I've already sat next to the black experience for a lot of my life when I was paying attention. The question is, would I be able to give these resources to my sister who grew up in the same home, in the same neighborhood, but is not the type of person to pay attention? Mm. She didn't, like my, I, I was the aggressive child. Like th there's a way to respond to the environment around you where you just check out and you're like, nah, fuck it. And that was my little sister. And then there's a, ray, a way to respond to the environment around you where, where apparently the child is, has some innate, like, fuck you, I will burn down your house and destroy your bloodline. And you're like, wait, no, that's a bit of an escalation. That's a bit of an escalation, but you're a child, so okay, we're just gonna not do that and teach you how to fight, you know? And I was, the, the second. I was that second child and they were like, well, we, we have to teach this one how to fight because clearly that's gonna happen. That's happening. <laughs> Oh. And that's what they taught me. And they didn't even, like, my sister didn't get those lessons. My sister didn't, and we also have construction. Um, <laughs> my sister just didn't see that the same way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I could give her these books. I don't know how to have these conversations with her. Because we're also... Um, we're also with the, the black folks that are in the church and just very conservative. Mm, okay. So it's... Uh, um, that's like its own... It's a tough... Dance. Thing. <laughs> that was also interesting to see that. I was just like, oh, well, at least I grew up with black folks. And then I read the like new the Jim Crow and I was like, oh, but the church folks are different. Yes. Than the, the neighborhood folks. Yes. That's a different game entirely. Remember when I talked about being a theology school dropout? Oh, right. Oh, right. Oh, oh right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, my sisters, one grew up to be a cop and the other one grew up to be a lawyer. Like they were like, they were playing to win.
Well, and they I mean, did. That is the game. They, yeah, and they they. I'm I'm actually really proud of them. Yeah, they've done incredible things. Like they they're such badasses. <sighs> anyway, so look, that's that's what we get when we regulate people's bodies is we get this idea that it's okay to just ban people's autonomy and you get a smoldering well of rage bubbling away in the background yeah <laughs> yeah it doesn't stop the behavior it just absolutely not makes people resort to more dangerous behavior and yeah, yeah. and we're here to encourage people to take care of themselves and we're here to encourage people to have we can do business without controlling people's bodies. This is bullshit. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, how do we segue from that? Good Lord. That was hard. That's okay. Sometimes you just have a hard day. This is one of them. This is our hard day. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So, Thanks for listening. If you have feedback, if you have feelings that you'd like to share, you can do that. That's we are cool. found on the internet. We have the email. It kindnessecon at gmail.com mm -hmm. you can find me at bonus parent baba all over twitter tiktok instagram facebook yes uh, my business is c king solutions you can find me at the letter c k i n g solutions.com oh it's cool it's cool we're gonna make it somebody yeah. else is gonna start humming in the back of the room if you think your friends or acquaintances would love to hear from us, please send them a copy. Otherwise, like and comment or just, you know, enjoy the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, be kind. Please take excellent care of yourself and the people and the world around you. Yes. I hope to see you in the future. Mm -hmm.